Last week, uh, we were looking at how Jesus started his earthly ministry. And uh, we read from Mark chapter 1, much of which is uh, just a single day, or at least 24, 36 hours of Jesus' life. And we can see that it was a, a very full one. And we saw last week how Mark is showing us that Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecy made by Isaiah. Isaiah prophesied that a servant of God would come, the Messiah, who would rescue his people from their sins. And in particular, in Isaiah 61, uh, Isaiah described how the Messiah would release the captives from prison. Uh, He would heal the sick and he would preach good news to the poor. And sure enough, we see Christ doing exactly those things uh, in this chapter, in Mark chapter 1. He casts out demons from those who are taken captive by them. Uh, He heals the sick and he preaches the gospel. And Mark is saying, uh, as clearly as he can, he's saying, look, this is the Messiah. This is the one. This is the one who was prophesied in the Old Testament, the promised servant of God. And now last week we looked at the significance of Christ's power over demons. And we were looking in a bit more detail uh, what that means for us today. Uh, But this week I would like to look at the significance of Christ's healing of the sick, uh, which is... uh, an unmistakable part of his ministry uh, in this chapter and in the whole of the gospel. Uh, But I must admit, I find this a very difficult uh, topic to speak on uh, because in this topic there are kind of two ditches that we can easily fall into. Uh, One ditch of thinking is thinking that Uh, If I ever get sick and God does not heal me, then I must have done something wrong. I I must be a sinner. Uh, I have done something which means that I am not being healed. Uh, I must have done something wrong. Uh, But the truth is that there are many reasons why someone may get sick it does not necessarily mean that they have committed some sin or that they lack faith. But there's another ditch we can fall into. Uh, The other ditch is sort of getting kind of fatalistic about healing and about when we are sick. And we think, well, Jesus doesn't always heal, so there's no point even asking for it. Uh, Just kind of grin, grit your teeth, bear it, and look forward to death when eventually we get to go to heaven. That's a kind of cynical attitude we can have and just uh, not, in that sense, worry about healing whatsoever. And as I say, just grin and bear it. But the Bible doesn't teach either approach. The Bible doesn't teach that if you are sick and if you don't get healed, you must have done something wrong. The Bible doesn't say that. 
But on the other hand, the Bible doesn't say that if you are sick, um, don't worry about it. There are bigger things. The Bible doesn't say that either. The Bible says that God wants to hear our cries. He wants to hear our anxieties. He wants us to come to him. Uh, He doesn't want us to grow callous and indifferent to the problems of life. He wants us to approach him and come to him with them. Uh, And so as I was sort of preparing this message, I I don't want to fall into either of those errors, to give either of those impressions to anyone. And for that reason, I've actually switched around uh, the first two points uh, on your service sheet. So if you wonder why I'm doing it in the other order, I've I've changed it around to uh, hopefully emphasize the emphasis that the Bible gives in this matter. Uh, We're going to particularly look at the account of this leper who was healed by Jesus in verses 40 to 45. Uh, But we will close by looking at the paralytic uh, who was healed by Christ in chapter 2. And the hope is this Tuesday, uh, the Bible says, to look in more detail at the healing of the paralyzed man. Uh, So we're going to look at these two healings of Christ to see what we can learn about the significance of Christ's power over sickness. And as we see uh, in Mark chapter 1, verses 40 and 41, uh, a leper comes to Jesus. And back in the time when Jesus was on earth, leprosy was an extremely serious disease. Of course, it's a serious disease even today, but now we have... And many more medicines and uh, treatments for it. But in Jesus' day, the kind of leprosy that this leper had would have made him an outcast to society. Uh, it would have completely uh, affected every area of his life. And he comes to Christ. And it says he was imploring him, kneeling down and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Uh, You can't read that without seeing the desperation, hearing the desperation in that leper's voice as he clings to the hope that maybe Christ will be willing to heal him. And I've just got three points this evening, uh, which I hope will be helpful to us. Uh, as we look at what this means for us. And the three points are simply these. Uh, The first point is kind of the negative one, and they get more positive. Uh, But the first one is that Jesus is not always willing to heal. Uh, Jesus is not always willing to heal. Uh, Secondly, we learn that Jesus is able to heal. And lastly, we learn that there are some things which are even more important than healing. And as I say, trustfully, these will be uh, instructive to us uh, as we learn more on this matter. So let's look at the first point. Uh, The first point that Jesus is not always willing to hear. Look at that prayer, because that's what it was. The leper comes to Jesus talking to him. That's what prayer is. And he comes to Jesus and he says, If you are willing, you can make me clean. This leper had no doubt 
about Christ's ability to heal. What he was not sure about was whether Jesus would or not. And we'll come to that in a little bit more, um, look at that in more detail in a little bit. Uh, But the leper's doubt was reasonable. Uh, The reason his doubt was reasonable is because throughout the Bible, uh, God does not always heal disease. Uh, There's many illustrations and instances of people in the Old Testament who were sick but did not get healed by God. Many instances of people who did, uh, many accounts of miracles where sick people were healed. The children of YPF, we were looking at Naaman the leper. Uh, And he was a Syrian general, and he was healed by God. But as Jesus himself said, there were many Israelites in Israel at that time who did not get healed. God chose to heal a Syrian general, but he didn't heal many Israelites. Uh, There are many examples of believers, good men and women of God, who did not get healed. Uh, Isaac one of the patriarchs, he was blind at the end of his life and his blindness did not return. Uh, Ahijah was a prophet of God um, at the time of King Jeroboam and we're told he was blind uh, because uh, Jeroboam's wife comes to visit him and uh, she tries to pretend she's not Jeroboam's wife because Ahijah's blind uh, but she can't fool the prophet of God because God cannot be fooled in that way. But Ahijah was blind. Uh, Elisha, possibly one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament, we're told that before he died, he was sick, and he was sick with a sickness which would lead to his death. And it'd be a reasonable question to ask, why did Jesus not heal them? Remember, Jesus existed then. Jesus has always existed, and he always will exist. But for whatever reason, which we won't delve into, perhaps we can't possibly know the answers, for whatever reason, Jesus did not choose to heal these people. Uh, And it's not just before Jesus came, it's also afterwards, uh, when Jesus returns back to heaven and we look in the book of Acts and the letters of Paul and Peter, we discover that there are believers who get sick then, but they're not necessarily healed. Many examples of those who were, but some who weren't either. Just a few months back, we looked at Epaphroditus, who was a companion of Paul. And I think he was at the church in Philippi. And Paul says that he was sick even to the point of death. Fortunately, he recovered, but nevertheless, he was sick. So we see, and that's just one example, but we see... After Jesus goes back to heaven, not everyone is healed. And as I say, we can't delve into all the possible reasons why we get sick and why sometimes God does not heal. That would be far too long a sermon. Uh, But what we can say is that sin is only one reason we might be sick. Uh, There are examples in the Bible of people who got sick because of sin. Uh, Miriam is one example. You might remember how Miriam grumbled against Moses and 
Uh, the Bible says that God afflicted her with leprosy, and she was only healed at the prayer of her brother Moses. Uh, we learn of Gehazi. We didn't share this part of the story with the children, but Gehazi was uh, Elisha's servant, and we're told because he wanted the riches that Naaman was offering, uh, the leprosy of Naaman passed to him. Uh, we can see multiple instances in the Bible where people became sick and it was the discipline of God. But that's only one possible reason. Uh, there's a whole host of reasons why God may allow us to get sick. Sin is just one of them. So we should not assume that just because we are sick, therefore we must have done something wrong. Uh, you remember last week we gave that example, didn't we, of um, how some people uh, see demons under every rock. And uh, just because uh, you were mugged and broke your arm does not mean that every time you see someone with a broken arm, they must have been mugged. They may have been, but that's only one possible reason. It's the same with sickness. God has many purposes. God has many reasons why he allows and why he permits and why he ordains what he does. Discipline for sin is only one of the reasons. So whenever we get sick, which we all do from time to time, uh, we should not assume that we must have done something wrong. Uh, if we pray for God to heal us and he doesn't, we should not assume that we have done something wrong. We should examine ourselves. Uh, whenever we're weakened, whenever we go through times of difficulty and distress, we should examine ourselves. As David puts it in Psalm 139, uh, he prays this wonderful prayer. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Uh, whenever we're humbled by any uh, affliction or difficulty of life, we should pray to God and say, search me, O God. Uh, try me. Uh, is there any wicked way in me? And lead me in the way everlasting. We should pray that prayer. But once we've examined ourselves, once we cannot find any deliberate sin in our life where we are deliberately turning our back on God's, if we cannot find such a sin, then we must assume that there must be another purpose behind our sickness. God doesn't want to live us to live in a kind of vague feeling of guilt and unease. Maybe God's against me. Maybe God doesn't like me. Maybe God is angry at me. God doesn't want us to live in that way. If God disciplines us, as he sometimes will, it's always so that we repent. It's always so that we turn back to him. He doesn't want to prolong that guilt. He doesn't want to prolong that pain. It's always so that we might turn to him. And if sin is not the reason, we leave it in the hands, the wise hands of God. So this leper's request is a reasonable one. Uh, he's not showing unbelief. He's not showing lack of faith here when he says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He's simply acknowledging the fact that God is God, that Jesus is God. Jesus, if you are willing, if you want to, you are able to make me clean. 
So we see Jesus is not always willing to heal. But let's look at the second point. The second point is that Jesus is able to heal. And that's the second part of the leper's prayer. He comes to Jesus, he kneels down, he begs him, he implores him, he says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Notice that the leper didn't say, if you are able, please make me clean. Do you hear the difference? He didn't say, if you are able, if you can possibly do something, I'm not sure, but if you can possibly do something, please do. No, he doesn't doubt for a moment that Jesus can heal him. The only thing he's not sure about is whether Jesus will or not. Uh, There was at least one person in the Gospels uh, who did doubt Christ's ability. Uh, You might remember after the Transfiguration, when Christ was glorified in front of Peter, James, and John. And as they come down from the mountain, uh, they meet the rest of Jesus' disciples. And there was a father who had brought his son who had a demon. And the disciples had tried to cast the demon out, but they had utterly failed. And uh, Jesus comes to the father whose son has this demon. And he asks him, how long has his son had a demon? And the father says, from childhood... And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Do you see how this father has a slightly different attitude? His attitude isn't, if you are willing, you can make a difference. His attitude is, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus rebukes him. Jesus says to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. This father's problem was that he doubted the ability of Christ to heal. The leper was uncertain of Jesus' willingness, but he never doubted his ability The father, in this instance, wasn't even sure of Christ's ability. And Jesus rebukes the one, but not the other. So that's the second lesson we can learn from this. There's a huge difference between doubting God's willingness to do something and doubting God's ability to do something. Uh, not being sure that God will do something is simply acknowledging that God is God, that God can do whatever he wants. He's not our servant to do as we desire him to do. But doubting God's ability is doubting God himself. We should never doubt God's ability, even though we may not always be certain what God's response will be to our request because that's the essence of faith the essence of faith is not believing that God will do the thing I want him to do that's not faith that's just wishful thinking faith is believing that God is able to do whatever he wants to do and coming to him with the humble request that he would do that thing 
The problem is when we doubt God's ability, we don't bother to come. If we doubt that God is able, then we just don't pray in the first place. Why bother? If we don't believe God can do something, then why would we go to him? It just seems like a waste of time. But if we do believe that God is able, then we have every reason to come to him with our requests. Sadly, there are many Christians who uh, don't understand the distinction between those two um, ways of praying, the leper's way of praying and the father's way of praying. I heard of one man who refused to have those around him speak the word cancer. Uh, He had been diagnosed with cancer, but um, he didn't want the people around him to use that word, even when they were praying for him, because he said, no, I believe God has healed me. I believe God has healed me, so I don't want people to even mention the word cancer. Sadly, the truth was that he did have cancer. Uh, His faith was nothing more than wishful thinking. At worst, it was a form of superstition. Uh, We come to God in faith when we come to him securing the knowledge that he is able to do whatever he wants even though we appreciate he may not always do what we want. But now listen to Jesus' response. Listen to Jesus' response to the leper's prayer. The leper says to him in verse 40, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then verse 41 says, then Jesus moved with compassion stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing, be cleansed. Aren't they some of the most wonderful words that you can imagine Jesus ever saying? This leper was in doubt. He wasn't sure what Jesus would do. But Jesus removed all doubt. And it says he was moved with compassion. And he stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing, be cleansed. And here we get an insight into the heart of Christ. And this is how we climb out of the kind of fatalistic ditch of saying, well, God will do whatever he wants, so I, don't need to, I shouldn't bother praying because God will just do whatever he wants anyway. No, this picture shows us what Christ is like. Christ is a God with compassion. He sees our pain. He hears our cries of distress. And it says there he was moved with compassion. Can you wrap your head around that? What that must be like for God himself to feel compassion for us. When you cry out in pain, if you are a child of God, God is moved by that. He doesn't sort of coldly and callously look on as kind of the, uh, the uh, orchestrator of the universe and just coldly see us as we suffer pain and anxiety and difficulty. No, he feels compassion when he sees our pain when we kneel down before him and when we implore him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus is able. 
Jesus is able to say, I am willing, be cleansed. Christ is not indifferent to the pain and the suffering that we all go through. And it's worth noting that, I think I'm right in saying this, there is no example, I think, of anyone in the Gospels who came to Jesus for healing who Jesus turned away. Obviously, there are examples in the Old Testament of believers who were not healed. There are examples later on in the New Testament of people who were not healed. But in the Gospels, when Jesus was here on earth, there was nobody who Jesus turned away. And that should give us all comfort. That should, all give, that should give us all encouragement to come to him with whatever distresses we might have. If you're feeling pain, go to Jesus. If you're sick, go to Jesus. If you have a dangerous and the doctors say deadly disease, go to Jesus. He is compassionate towards us. It doesn't matter if the doctor tells you there's no hope. The doctor says there's nothing we can do. That might be very true. There might be nothing they can do, but they are not Jesus. Jesus is able to heal even when doctors cannot, when they have failed. If you read later on in Mark's Gospel, you see the wonderful story of the woman with the issue of blood. And it says that she went to many doctors Uh, But she ended up being worse after going to them. But she just touched the hem of Jesus' garment and she was made completely cured. We see Jesus is able to heal and he has compassion on our suffering. He may not always heal. There may be reasons that we don't understand why he doesn't, but never doubt his ability. Never doubt his compassion and his love for you. Go to him. Go to him in faith, believing that he is able to do what he did in the Gospels. So that's the second point. Jesus is able to heal. But we'll close with our third and final point. And that is simply this, that there are some things which are even more important than healing. Because the story doesn't end there. Uh, It says in verse 41 that Jesus stretches out his hand and touches him and says, I am willing, be cleansed. Then verse 42 says, as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Listen to what Jesus says next. It says, and he strictly warned him. That's Jesus strictly warned the leper or the ex-leper. And sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testament to them. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city. Jesus healed the leper. He had compassion on the leper but then he gave him an instruction. Jesus gave him a commandment and he said to him, don't go publicly spreading this around to everyone. I want you to go to the priest and let them know. 
this was the procedure which the Old Testament law gave when someone was cured of a disease. And they were to go to the priest first. And Jesus says, go to the priest as Moses commanded you. But the leper, or the ex-leper, ignored Jesus' instruction. He went and did what he wanted to do, which was to proclaim the matter freely. You might say it's understandable. And it's amazing good news for this leper. But he disobeyed what Jesus said. And who knows what the negative effect of that was. We learn from this that Jesus couldn't openly enter the city anymore. Uh, who knows, perhaps there were many who were prevented being healed as a result of this leper's disobedience. Because there is something even more important than healing. And that is obedience to Jesus. Listening to what Jesus has to say to us. That's why repeatedly in the Gospels, when Jesus heals someone, often he says to them, go away and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Sickness is not the worst thing that can happen to us. The worst thing is to die not forgiven. That is Jesus' priority throughout the Gospels. And we saw it in the next story, the next account of the paralyzed man who was brought by his four friends. And they come to the house and it's full of people. And it's so full they have to go through the roof and they lower their paralyzed friend in front of Jesus. And everyone would imagine that Jesus' first response would be, I heal you. Or stand up, take up your bed and walk. That's what you'd expect Jesus to say. But what did he say instead? In verse 5 it says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. That was Jesus' priority. The soul of this man. Because Jesus knew that when he healed him, one day that man would die just the same. Uh, he might have been have many years of wonderful walking, but one day he would lie in the grave. And then what? Jesus saw his deeper need. And in fact, when he comes to finally heal him, Jesus says that I'm going to heal him to demonstrate that I can do a much greater thing, which is forgive sins. So the third and final lesson is clear. Uh, Don't get so taken up with healing, wonderful as that is, that you forget a deeper issue, a deeper problem, and that's our sin. That's what God, that's what Jesus is most concerned with. Uh, It's no point being healed from some disease if that then has no effect in your life going forward. Uh, If God heals you wonderfully and miraculously and yet your life remains just the same and you walk your own way, going, following your own inclinations, following your own desires, then it would have been better that you weren't healed at all. Because you see, you have a greater responsibility because God has done more for you. What God wants chiefly is that we become more like Christ, that we find forgiveness in him. And in many cases, the healings which Jesus performs 
are to assure us that he's able to do a deeper work, a more significant work, a more longer-lasting work that is forgiving our sins. That's why he came into the world. Uh, Ultimately, he did not come merely to heal a few people of their sicknesses. He came to forgive us of our sins, to die on the cross, to rise again three days later, that we might know the joy of eternal life, not just an extended life here. That's why we can say there are some things which are even more important than healing. So I hope those few thoughts are helpful to us. First thought, that Jesus isn't always willing to heal for good reasons of his own. But secondly, Jesus is able to heal, and we should run to him with whatever requests we have because he is eager to hear our cries. But lastly, remember, there are some things which are even more important than healing. And that's why I'd like us to sing as our final hymn, number 519. And it's a hymn which cries out to Jesus. Uh, Just like this leper did uh, while Christ was on earth, he cried out for Jesus to give him what he desperately needed. And we can do the same. 519, pass me not, O gentle saviour, Hear my humble cry, while on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. So we'll close by singing number 519.